Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Joker's to the left. Wait, Joker's to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Just right. Perfect. It was awesome. We nailed it. Yeah. No problem. What was that song again? Well, it's because we were talking about, um, what were we talking about, Alex? Mr. Bank. Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. That's right. And that song always reminds me of Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, very um, heartwarming scene, to yeah. say the least. Yeah, family friendly. Family friendly. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Today, we are joined by the very wonderful, awesome Allison Lures at Allison, the person from uh, Wizards of the Coast. Allison, say hi. Hi, everybody. Now, Allison, you do a lot more than just be the community manager at Watsi. You have a uh, an extensive, I, I don't know, portfolio of awesome work and, and stuff that you do. Care to enlighten the world? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, in addition to being a community manager, uh, I also uh, participate on the story team at Wizards, so I contribute to uh, Magic's canon, which is really fun, wielding that kind of unimaginable power. Uh, <laughs> I'm, also, <laughs> I'm also an improviser. Uh, I founded a theater company here in Seattle a few years ago. Uh, and uh, I, sometimes I cross-stitch stupid things in my spare time, and that's uh, that's me. That is very exciting. Uh, and yeah, theater. Yeah, theater, that's Yay, right. Yeah, theater. Woo! We all came yeah. up in it, and it's very important. And I love that Seattle I know. Has... That's, that's why I'm happy I get to talk chat to you guys on here. We've got that connection. Seattle's got this nice, vibrant theater community, too, which you are help, helping foster, which is awesome. Which, surprisingly, yeah, L.A. Yeah. does not have. No, L.A. Yeah. does not have. L.A. It. theater is... It does. It's just, like, ultra-quiet, and, like, no one goes to it. I have a couple of friends down there who try to do the theater scene, and I'm like, why would you do that? Don't yeah. Stop. You'd think because L.A. has just all these actors just, like, standing right. around doing nothing. And yet L.A. theater Seriously. scene is really sad. Yeah. We have L.A. improv. That's that's the big one. L.A. improv is pretty good. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But it's, mo- it's everyone just trying to learn improv so that they can go on to the silver screen. Yeah. That's, yeah. They, just, <laughs> they don't care that's about That's true. It. Yeah. I guess, I guess there isn't really much of a scene that's, like, exclusively for improv down there. You just kind of, like, learn it so you can have it on your resume and then go back to doing like screen stuff yeah or hoping to i mean i have a lot of friends that are very into improv and have I mean, i've made a lot of my best friends from improv but it's tough oh, yeah. it's just you can't really make a living off it improv is it's more true, like yeah. it's more like um going to play pickup basketball or something like you have mm-hmm. to love that the improv like you're not you know you don't yeah. go play pickup basketball at the gym to become to get on the lakers like that uh, yeah, and, and that's the thing that really sucks, too, is that there are so many awesome pockets of like regional comedy around the country. Uh, right, yeah. But most people just sort of ignore those because you think, oh, no, it's just a step to get to where I need to go next. When there's you this entire the like thing. vibrant scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's this entire the thing. thing that totally exists. So, you know, gotta, gotta stand up for the stand up for the little guys in comedy. That's right. And uh, yeah. speaking of the little guys. Actually, I don't know why I said speaking of the little guys. Anyway, it was a possible segue. But <laughs> it was it possible, yeah. Together, yeah. Speaking of the little guys, stuck in the middle with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Allison, you are a participant and writer of Magic Story. You actually wrote the story yeah. pretty recently, right? 
yes. Uh, last week, actually, was uh, my second uh, piece I've done for Magic Story, uh, Games, about uh, Geese and Garelf, everyone's favorite uh, bratty teenage necromancers. That is. That was a... It was so much fun. Uh, originally, I was uh, supposed to write a different story, and uh, James Wyatt, the uh, creative director of this set, came to me and he said, ah, Allison, I'm really sorry, but due to scheduling conflicts, we're going to have to stick you with Gisa and Garelf. I hope that's okay. <laughs> and I think I screamed at him. Like, I screamed at him, the person, and uh, it was a little embarrassing, but I was so excited because I, I just love these two teen nerds so much. That's awesome. So it, was, it was a lot of fun. If you guys didn't know, Gisa and Garolf were legendary creatures that are actually introduced in Commander 2014 in the mono-colored uh, cycle, where Gisa is a yes. mono-black commander and, and Garolf is the mono-blue commander. So they're actually Correct. pretty yeah. relatively new. The two new. characters were introduced in uh, Innistrad a few years before, but they finally got cards in uh, Commander yeah. 2015. Yeah. Which is super exciting. So today's main topic is we are doing something that we usually don't do on the show. We've is, never done it. Yeah. Um, we are focusing on story, which is really, really exciting. Um, this is our first Vorthos episode. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to A.E. Marling, who is our Vorthos expert, uh, sort of on oh, Twitter. Oh, seriously. He's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so today, He's like a level 17 flavor judge, I think. <laughs> yeah. He really is. It took him a true. long time to get there, actually. Yeah, a lot, had to pass a lot of tests. Judge Emeritus for, <laughs> for Ooh, flavor. Seriously. You gotta pay to take the classes. Yeah. You don't want to see the pay, scars, like, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not like pick-up basketball for him. Just that much. <laughs> no. Um, so, uh, before we get into it, today the main episode today is we're going to take some stories. Allison's brought us um, four of her favorite characters and stories, and we're going to do our own sort of Iron Root Chef celebration and sort of throw out our ideas of how you would build a deck that is flavorfully storied around the person or the story that that we're going to talk about. And before we get into it, though, how did you actually get into writing Magic Story? Because I imagine we've talked to James Pionk on the show before, who's done a lot of flavor text writing. Oh, cool. It's not just sort of like yeah, a yeah. one-step process, right? No, not at all. Um, for me, it was a lot of begging. Uh, there was a lot <laughs> of like genuine pleading and asking. Uh, actually, the way it sort of worked out was I, uh, my boss is uh, Trick Jarrett, who I think most people on the show will probably recognize that name. What's up, Trick? Uh, and as soon as I got hired, I, I remember him asking, so what would you like to do here at Wizards? And I, I think I like whispered like, I want to do story really bad. And so I said, <laughs> okay, that's very, okay, sure. So he put me in contact with uh, Jenna Helland, who's in charge of the, uh, of the story team. And she basically had me like write uh, a piece to submit, uh, sort of like an audition to see if I could actually write like a human being. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the story I submitted was, I think about, it was a romance about a witch and a vampire who was also a baker. Um, I, I love like cute garbage, so it, it was up my cute alley, garbage. and I had no idea if anyone else would like it. It's a great combination uh, of words. But they did. Well, it, yeah, a, a baker would be a really good if they were a vampire because their hands would be really cold and it wouldn't activate the yeast in the bread. They work <laughs> weird hours. It makes sense. Uh, but yeah, so I submitted that and they liked it. And uh, my first piece I wrote was uh, Family Values about Tessa Karlov. Uh, for Commander 2015. Yeah. Spoiler alert, we will be talking about the one and only Taysa today. Yes, we will. Um, but we, sure so will. We'll ha we have four characters and stories total uh, for, the, for the sake of time and also so we can include you guys, the listeners. Uh, we're only going to cover two of them today and we're going to sort of leave the other two up to you guys to sort of submit your own stuff at the end of the show. So let's just dive right into it. The, um, the first Commander slash Legendary Creature that you submitted that I was like, I love this guy. He is insane. The character itself, yes. uh, I played against it many times in different decks. It is Niv Mizzet. And Niv Mizzet, if you guys don't wow. know, is an Is It commander. Would you look at that? Is It's right in his name. He's blue it's and red. It's in there, red. yeah. And there's actually. It's like it was named after him. Yeah, yeah. He's known for going infinite in commander. I think that's sort of his, the, like the boogeyman of Niv Mizzet is like, look, I'm going to attach a single thing to him and I'm just going to ping mm -hmm. everyone to death immediately. I'm going to win. Um, and the story that you brought to us is called Project Lightning Bug. It actually focused yes. on two other characters uh, more so than Niv-Mizzet, uh, which is Rao, Zarek, and Jace. Uh, so yeah, I, I picked one with multiple characters to make sure that we had like enough to kind of like draw from. Mm -hmm. And also, it's one of the more recent uh, Ravnica stories. So in case someone's like just catching on, it's easy to kind of like get caught up with everything that's going on. I love Ravnica. It has every all the guilds and all the things that are happening there. It's just ripe for story. But yeah, if you want to take us through oh, yeah. Project Lightning Bug. 
Sure. Uh, so uh, Project Lightning Bug is, uh, it's basically like about Niv Mizzet without really being about him. So Niv is like in charge of the Izzet and honestly, all he really wants is to gain as much knowledge about what's going on as possible. And the Izzet have started to notice that people tend to kind of like appear and sometimes disappear from the plane. Uh, and he doesn't really understand what's going on. The rest of us obviously know that what's going on is that planeswalkers can appear and kind of disappear from planes of existence at any given time. And so uh, Niv set up this big project to kind of track, like, where are these people going and how are they disappearing? And they're doing that through some kind of like storm magic. And uh, my main man, uh, Ral Zarek, is, uh, is in charge of this. So he is, obviously knows what's going on because he's a planeswalker too. So he tips off Jace Valeran, the, uh, the guild pact of Ravnica, to say, hey, they're catching on to us, so you need to be, like, a little bit more under the radar. <laughs> also, there's a third planeswalker we've been tracking, and we don't know who it is. Uh, and in in between all of this, we jump back and forth to see Niz, Niv, uh, Niv in his awesome, is it, like, stronghold or whatever, being all in charge and very wise and smart and bossy and, uh, yeah, just kind of learning how frustrating he is that he doesn't really know what's going on in this plane. Because people are vanishing, uh, and he really wants answers. And Niv's a pretty what it's about. Niv's a pretty old guy too, right? He's not like a young spring chicken. Oh, he's he's ancient as hell. Niv has been around for a while. I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure, so maybe the maybe the listeners can confirm it. But I'm pretty sure that the guild is it is named after Niv Mizzet. Yeah, and I, uh, I like Ral Zarek in this story too because he is, um, as you very aptly put it, you connect with him in a lot of ways because he is a planeswalker, but he has to hide it from Niv Mizzet as well. Um, but yeah. he's also sort of an outcast. For sure. He grew up in a small town and didn't really fit in there. So he tried moving to the city and even still has to hide who he is from everyone around him because he knows that if Niv Mizzet ever found out that he's a planeswalker, he would be like torn apart and he would be like, I don't know, dissected to try and figure out like how can he do what he can do. So I imagine it's really difficult that he spent all of his life trying so hard to be a part of his guild, and he still has to hide who he is. So I, I got a lot of Ral's Eric feels. Yeah, Ral's great. I love the idea that you can't, you know, you have to, obviously, planeswalking and disappearing off the plane is something that confuses this very old dragon. And the great part right. about this story is that is that Ral's like, it's great because, you know, you'll just randomly go, and we can't really track it because you don't choose when you leave and when you come back. But there is one person... We don't know who it is, but he keeps popping in, in in the Boros area at the exact same time every single day, like clockwork. And so they, right? We later learn, of course, that this is our 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 good friend Gideon Jura. Um, but this is great because it sort of throws everyone into the story. I'm I'm actually kind of sad that Ralph Zarek didn't get to uh, hang out with the rest of the Guild Pact, and we get to see more reprints of that guy because he is that planeswalker. If you guys haven't seen it, is awesome. He's so good. I, I, and I would love to see him again for a variety of reasons. I mean, he's a super fun character and also just like a baller card that I really want to have in my life again for good reasons. <laughs> Any, anytime you need to flip coins for something. Yeah, that's is, what I was going to say. I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. There's a lot I, of I want flipping. an excuse to carry coins around. That's awesome. I don't actually know off the top of my head what the coin flipping is for. I just remember there's a lot of coin flipping. Extra turns, possible. Josh. Yeah, that's what it oh, is. Oh, for sure. Extra for turns. Sure. That's so, the ultimate though, right? Yeah, that's the ultimate. Uh, yeah, it's the ultimate. I've only seen that happen once. Yeah, actually, and it was Craig again. Yes, Cra of course our, it was Craig. Yeah, our good friend Craig does have a Niv-Mizzet deck. So now that we have a general idea of the story, of this sort of Niv-Mizzet, as you call them, the elephant in the room, which I think is funny because it's more, he's the, uh, dragon, the, in the dragon in the room. Yeah, He's a dragon elephant, you know. Um, <laughs> how, how would we one go about building a deck around this? And this is the fun part because I, I got to do this a little bit on the community cup on the spot. And it was a very satisfying feeling because being able to combine flavor and power at the same time makes you feel mm -hmm. like you're the, just the greatest magician, wizard, whatever, sorcerer, elephant, dragon, <laughs> elephant, dragon in, <laughs> in the world. Um, oh, and yeah. I, I chose for the commander, of course, Niv-Mizzet, the fire mind, which is, yeah. I think of the two, the more powerful one. Um, Agreed. His, That's the one I was thinking of too. He's he's pretty great. Uh, so oh, yeah. the the card is two, and then blue, blue, red, red. So six total for a four, four flying legendary creature, dragon wizard. Uh, and whenever you draw a card, Niv Mizzet, the fireman deals one damage to target creature or player, and you can tap him to draw a card. Uh, so he's this awesome guy. That, and obviously, there are lots of infinite combos here. Things that untap him when you draw cards. Essentially, you can just sort of 
go through your entire deck and shoot everyone down with little fireballs. But in terms of making a deck that's flavorful and also powerful at the same time, it's a delicate balance we should talk about a little bit before we get into it in that you can make a deck that has 100% flavor and that plays with all the characters in the story, all the, the all the bits in the story. You know, you can play like cards like Maze's End even if you don't have a bunch of gates to win the game with. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you won't have as much fun because playing a flavorful deck but never being able to win with it doesn't feel as, you know, I guess conclusive as being able to do that. Complete your story within the play style that you're going for and end up with a win. So Sure thing. In this case, we have the Is It and... Correct me if I'm wrong, though, but the is it are sort of very much about experimentation, storms, and the quest for complete knowledge is something that obviously Niv Mizzet is all about. Um, yeah, their their vision of knowledge is uh, through experimentation and like probably blowing things up. Like, <laughs> if, if it involves the possibility of someone like dying while also trying to do a really cool experiment, they're all about that. That is actually yeah. super sweet. Um, and they love to create stuff too. Like Melek is yeah. a creation of Ralzeric to to run the maze, correct? Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the, the living maze, I believe it was called. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, the idea is that this maze has been on, uh, Ravnica for forever, like a really long time. And no one really knows what the big prize is at the end, but all of the guilds, uh, nominate their champion to go run through. And, uh, it turns out that the, the winner, I guess, of whoever runs the <laughs> maze gets to be the living guild pack. Quote unquote which- winner. Yeah, it's it's not really like a, a congratulatory prize because oh hey you have a a, a civil job and now you work for <laughs> the city congratulations great you're the person or the thing that keeps all the guilds go- from tearing each other apart yay yeah I hope you're a civic engineer because you're in charge <laughs> of everything yay um so I really like the idea of experimentation and also like you said the high risk high reward part of the game uh, because that to me screams red. Um, the idea of Rousey, oh, like yeah. flipping coins, the idea that you doing something may or may not be the most powerful or the most weak thing you can do in the game, which is also another reason that you want to make sure that you build your deck to be powerful and effective because in the long run, you know, if you're going to be taking a lot of risks, you'd rather that your percentage of flipping the coin and landing on the side that you want is actually above 50%. Otherwise, you're going to have a real crazy <laughs> time in, the, in each game. Um so obviously, each right. this deck, if you're going to build a Niv-Mizzet deck and you want to be Vorthosy with it, has to have Niv-Mizzet in it. Um, you can go as far as to run the other Niv-Mizzet in your deck as well. Uh, it may mm-hmm. be a bit of a flavor fail to some people, but I, I like the idea of having a redundant version of your commander that's slightly different. Um, Rao Zarek obviously has to be in this deck. Um, and if you guys read Rao Zarek, his text says you can tap a target permanent, then untap another target permanent as his plus one. And you can also Lightning Bolt, a creature or player, for minus two. Uh, So that is something we'll have to take into consideration as we go into the rest of the deck. Because obviously you can untap Niv-Mizzet himself with Ralzeric and keep him drawing cards. And there's also Jace, the Living Guild Pact, and Jace, Architect of Thought, which are both very, very, uh, very powerful. And of course, Invoke the Firemind. So these are all cards that feature, they're sort of like the story cards, I guess. Uh, invoke the Firemind is just X, blue, blue, red, and you can choose one to draw X card or deal X damage to target creature or player. Um, so these are sort of like the the given cards in the deck. And past that, uh, when I was thinking about the deck, I really wanted to do stuff that was sort of off the beaten path. So you could you could put in, like, Niv-Miz is a controlling guy, right, Allison? He, he wants to know stuff and also control the flow of information. Oh, for sure. He's in charge of his guild, so naturally he wants to know everything that's going on, not just between his own people, but on the rest of the plane as a whole, since, you know, he's kind of blue and all that stuff. <laughs> so because of that, I like the idea that he has he wants to have full control. So this isn't a deck that mm-hmm. would just run a normal counterspell. Um, one card that I came across that I really like was called Trick Bind, which is one in the blue, and it's an instant with Split Second, which is a mechanic we haven't talked that much about on the show, but it says, as long as this spell is on the stack, players can't play spells or activate abilities that aren't mana abilities. So Split Second essentially says, I'm going to do something and stop everything else from, you cannot interact with this spell past this point. And Trickbind is counter-target activated or triggered ability. If a permanent ability is countered this way, activate abilities of that permanent can't be played this turn. So you can trick mine really ability fun. and lock it down for the entire turn. This will turn off 
a ton of infinite combos. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like a one-shot answer to stop a lot of stuff. And even if the person's holding a protection for their combo, saying like, okay, I'll do something, and then I'll have a counterspell for whatever. Trickbind is one of those sort of catch-all, like, ah, I didn't see that coming. We'll stop the combo dead in its tracks and keep it that way. Really good mm-hmm. card. Yeah. Josh, yeah, I'm you... writing that one down for later. That's super handy. <laughs> do you like countering activated and triggered abilities? Do you think it's worth it? Um, in general, no, but I uh, that's maybe because I play a lot of them myself. So it's really annoying when someone just happens to have a card that does that. Because you, <laughs> when you have an activated ability yeah. on board, you pretty much just, in your mind, you're like, it's going to happen. You don't worry about it getting countered. <laughs> so when somebody does manage to like stifle or whatever, there's been a few cards that stop there what's the creature there's a creature that does it too i forget um but you never ever ever see it coming right so it just foils your plan you're like wait what (laughs) you're playing that card uh it's the worst (laughs) (laughs) so Uh, so if you could be on the other side of that coin i think it's probably good yeah certainly um another card that is quickly becoming one of my favorites and i don't know if you've ever played with this card allison but it's telepathy it's an enchantment oh, for yeah. just blue where it says your opponents play with their hands revealed. Um, yeah. This card's a, really absurd, I think. This, what a Niv-Mizzity card. Yeah. That was from one of the core sets, right? Yeah, it's been reprinted in 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th edition and Magic 2010, and it was originally from oh, Urza's cool. Saga, yeah. So this card's been around yeah, for a yeah. long time. Um, obviously, you would never play it in a 1v1 format, I don't think. I don't think it does enough. But even it's a waste then. of a card. But the political ramifications in a multiplayer is pretty huge. We've Super fun. We've seen yeah. this out on the table a few times. Craig uh, yeah. plays this card, too. Yeah, it, it screws up the game in a really weird way. Yeah, I also like the fact that in a multiplayer game, it it, it very quickly pits other players against each other in a way that it, it normally doesn't. Because everyone now knows, oh, so-and-so has a board wipe. I just won't do this. Yep. But the nice thing is when I first had this card played against me, I was like, oh, well, you're playing this. You have to reveal your own hand. But no, it's actually just your opponent. Oh, that's so much fun. Yeah. So it feels very Niv-Mizzity to me uh, to know as much as you can without revealing your own 3,000-year-old brain. Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, and, okay, this this is a card that I've always wanted to put in the deck, and I finally found a place for it. Jester's Cap. Jester's Cap was one of those cards growing up. I don't know if this is the same for you guys, but when I saw the art for this as a kid, I was this was like iconic magic art for me. Well, it was on like the box, I believe, and I believe it was on one of the booster packs Mm -hmm. for Ice Age. So it was like one of the iconic. Yeah, yeah. It's just this like great looking clown guy, I guess. Oh yeah, Um, yeah. Child Allison has lots of memories of uh, going to uh, Pokemon tournaments and always seeing art like this for magic and thinking, that's a little scary for me. I don't know. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? You see like demonic tutor on something. You're like, oh my gosh, he has horns. That's a little, that's a little spooky. And also I'm eight. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but Jester's Cap, it's four drop artifact. You can pay two and tap it. You sack it and you search a player's library for three cards and exile them. Ugh. And then that player shuffles his or her library. I feel like if you had a, you know, like this blue and red are the definitely artifact colors and they have a lot of ways recurring artifacts. This is kind of a way to turn off wind conditions in decks if you can recur it. And I really like that it's like, I'm going to, it's very JC in this, in a way where it's, he's going to search into your mind, dig some secrets out, make you forget stuff. And all of a sudden, the way that you're going to win with your Crater Hoof Behemoth is it's just not going to happen anymore. Make yeah, this is super helpful stuff. if you're really familiar with your playgroup. Uh, being able to just like seek out those bombs that you absolutely hate and get rid of them as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and also a card that runs around in our playgroup a lot is Bribery, which allows you to search yeah. an opponent's library. You can actually activate the Jester's Cap in response to someone briberying another library and and get rid of like whatever they're going to steal from <laughs> Their that Blight deck. Steel Colossus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that, that feels really good. That's a good feel. I like that. It's a good feel. Um. To keep going down the list, uh, Flux, this is another bizarre card, is uh, it's two in the blue. Each player discards any number of cards, then draws that many cards, and then you draw a card on top of that. Um, I really like hand recycling effects in general. I think this one's actually not as powerful because people get to choose how much they discard. But I also like the randomness of it, is that everyone gets to decide, okay, do I want to pitch my whole hand and go for a full reset? Do I only want to pitch one card and draw one card off it? And I like that everyone gets that choice because it feels very much like the experiment that Niv Mizzet would sort of perform, mm-hmm. I guess, to see to see what everyone else would do, get more information that way. Um, and finally, Epic Experiment. This is a card. <laughs> we always try and play this card. We always try and play this card. 
It is X blue red. Um, you get to exile the top X cards of your library. And for each instant or sorcery card with, with CMC X or less, you can cast that card without playing its mana cost. And then you put all your cards that exile that way that weren't cast into your graveyard. Why don't we ever play this card? It seems so awesome. And I've always have it in the pile of cards whenever they're in this color. And then for some reason, I always just end up cutting it. But it's always like right there almost. So maybe this is the time. This is this. It could happen this time. It says experiment. It, it it's it's the most is it is it tastic is it card that's ever existed. Is it tastic? It is it tastic. Yeah, I'm ecstatic. It's so is it tastic. Um, and of course, in this deck, because you're dumping stuff into your graveyard constantly, you're going to want cards like Mystic Retrieval uh, mm-hmm. and cards like Faithless Looting to help get you through your deck and also to get your cards back from your uh, your your graveyard. Um, and I just, I love any hand discard. I love anything that makes you make a choice, take a chance on something, and potentially end up better or worse. So, Winds of Change, Wheel of Fortune, all that good stuff. Um, also, I think in this deck you play Arjun, which was a new card that was printed Ooh, in the yeah. Commander set recently, which is Mind Moil, uh, but on a 5-5 flying creature. So whenever you cast a spell, you put the cards on your hand on the bottom of your library and anywhere, and then you draw that many cards. Um, this feels like the kind of deck you want to put Laboratory Maniac in. So if you have zero cards in your deck, you win the game. Like This just feels like the kind of deck where you get to try to do all the crazy Johnny, non-spiky, but also very much broken things in the game. Because it's hard to get to that point where you're like, I have zero cards in my library, I win the game. Yeah, it is it to me is all about kind of the fun parts of magic like just being able to just really mess around with what this game is capable of uh and cards that allow you to do that are so much fun in just one-on-one but even more so when you have other people to show off to yeah certainly um you also wrote down a couple of cards yourself allison that you would like to put in the deck yeah uh so uh full disclosure um one of my favorite things i've ever done while working at wizards were these things that we called uh flavor offs uh with the community (laughs) team so what we would do is you had to create a a 60 card singleton deck uh based around like a theme and they were not good decks like they were meant to be as terrible as possible (laughs) and usually we would ask the community like hey suggest a movie or a tv show we'll build a deck around it oh that's awesome yeah the, the problem was that no one wanted to hear like minute updates on what each of our moves were <laughs> or how, <laughs> how genius our decks were even though they were terrible yeah uh so i channeled that i channeled that feeling of uh having fun with building absolute crap Ooh, uh, that's also really really flavorful so uh that was kind of my thought behind all this uh, my first pick was uh, Jace's Archivist. I love this card. Uh, it's ra- it's Ravnica-tastic. Um, uh, the story involves Jace, and it's set on Ravnica, so, you know, duh, might as well include it. <laughs> um, I like cards that make you just go, well, duh. Because those exactly, are the most satisfying yeah. to put in the deck, especially when you're just building for fun and for flavor. It's like, right. Oh, and on another Jace's flavor note, I'm really here. happy that Jace hired someone to take care of his stuff because he's away, <laughs> like, a lot. <laughs> I, I kind of worry about the state of Ravnica since he just keeps leaving it. So hopefully this guy's in charge. He also has uh, a propensity for making himself forget things. So, <laughs> yeah. I know. So, I know, you know, he needs somebody. Nerd. This is like a personal assistant that reminds uh, uh, Mr. Jace. You have an uh, appointment. Mr. Balerin, you, you you're, you're late for your appointment. Yeah, you actually have an appointment uh, at two. So, Mr. Yeah. Balerin, you've erased your mind again. Uh, I've decided <laughs> to help you out by organizing your books. <laughs> Mr. Balerin, I wrote you out a schedule so you could just read it this time. <laughs> He's like, no, I got this. I got this. Where am I? Where? <laughs> Um, yeah, Jace of Archivist, though, it's it's kind of what um, I was talking about earlier, where he it's a one blue-blue creature where you can tap a blue and tap it, and each player discards their hand and draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards a player discarded this way. So if someone had seven cards and you had one, you all of a sudden get to draw seven cards. I, everybody does. Ah. Everyone does, yeah, which is kind of cool, because you get a better deal than the person that has to discard their whole hand. So it's cool, because you can also sort of plan around when you want to play the Archivist and use him. Yep. Yeah, I mean, obviously go into this one with a plan, but uh, yeah, card draw makes me happy, so that that one was a duh. We can uh, certainly The next card that. I put in there was a Curiosity. Uh, uh, yes. So oh, it's classic. an enchantment uh, for one blue. Uh, whenever enchanted creature deals damage to an opponent, you may draw a card. Uh, it enables your commander, so duh. And also, Niv's a very curious guy. Yeah. And so is Ral, and so is Jace. It's just a bunch of curious cats, so... Uh, it is nice that oh. it, this card lines up perfectly with the commander and in both right. flavor and power wise. 
Yeah, it, it's cheap as hell. Uh, also, there's a cat in the art uh, because it's curious like a cat, and that makes me laugh. So. And the cat has like an injury, too. We're talking about the uh, the Exodus or the 8th edition version. I oh, curiosity. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cat. Yeah, the Exodus version. He's like, the cat's like, oh, my God. I want to find out what's happening. <laughs> yeah, this cat wants answers. Yeah, that's awesome. I believe uh, it is. I think it's Mary, actually. Mary falling. Is it? Uh, the flavor text is all Mary wanted oh, to do was rest, but she couldn't ignore a nagging suspicion as she followed Krovax's skulking form. Ooh, maybe this is the first instance of skulk in Exodus. Ooh. We found it. The first appearance. I really like this next entry, actually, Your uh, the equipment we have here. So the next one I have listed is uh, Lightning Greaves, uh, because lightning. Uh, and yep. also Artifact, it fits in really well with the red-blue thing that we've got going on. And uh, Shroud makes me happy, so that's also why it made in there. But not going to lie, mostly it's because lightning is in the title. Yeah, uh, lightning, the lightning part, because I can't, I mean, strapping on a pair of boots to a giant dragon to me is hilarious. Uh, yes but it's also totally what you know it's lightning greaves and you're able yeah. to use his ability so the name itself it's like we don't need to go full flavor right because then you wouldn't be able to really build a deck you sometimes have to take a slight liberty so just the name lightning is good enough for me exactly yeah and in the story project lightning bug uh, everything just kind of revolves around using storm magic so yeah it makes sense and you can also put this on like the jace's archivist and use it the turn he comes down and stuff so there's other creatures that want to harness the power of lightning Right, yeah. So uh, and then the last card I have is uh, Dismiss, uh, two blue-blue, counter-target spell, and draw a card. Uh, because Niv is a, a jerk who is, like, charming, <laughs> but also very dismissive. That's and, great. Uh, He's yeah, also it enables yeah. his ability, so might as well toss that in there. That's awesome. That's actually really funny, the idea that the counter... Like, you, you know, because there have been so many counter spells in magic Magic's history, right? Where you get to right, choose, yeah. like, well, I can just counter it or I can be dismissive. <laughs> no, I no, I just... I don't have time for this. Mm, I dismiss it. No, thank you. Um, so, yeah, that's that's our very quick breakdown of the Niv-Mizzet deck that we would build. Oh, you have some, uh, another Well, entry, I have Josh? a question because I have a sort of philosophical question about Ooh. Vorthosi building of decks. Because mm-hmm. Oh, bring it. Let's hear it. <laughs> I was thinking about... I don't know the answer, so maybe you guys can help me. I was thinking about the story and how Niv-Mizzet has sort of sent out his cronies yeah. to investigate what the heck's going on with these disappearing, reappearing people. Mm-hmm. So there's this mechanic that just recently appeared called Investigate. Oh. So how do you feel about reappropriating something like that for this story, right? So you could put something oh, yeah. like Drownyard Explorers mm-hmm. into... Now, they're not from Ravnica, but they're investigators. They mm-hmm. investigate right. when they come in, and that seems to fit the theme, and they're blue, so niv could be sending out the Drownyard Explorers to investigate the Planeswalker th- phenomenon and maybe a few cards that have Investigate on it. I do fit love in the, this deck. Yeah, the idea of getting clues and sort of figuring it out because that's definitely. I mean, Niv Mizzet is looking for clues as to what's going on, right? Right, exactly. Oh, so yeah. I, I guess the question is, philosophically, is that okay to sort of reappropriate a mechanic that's? Well, we know that this is about something else. It's not actually about the same phenomenon in the official storyline, but in the storyline of your right. deck, maybe investigate means what's going on with these planeswalker things. I'm 100 yeah. percent on board. Uh, so, um, I, I am a total fan of, uh, mashing together stuff from different stories. Uh, and the thing about building a flavor decks is that you can kind of decide what the rules are for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so jumping back to when we've done the, uh, flavor ops before, at least on the community team, uh, I think my favorite matchup was when, uh, Nate Price was playing a space jam deck <laughs> and... Welcome I was playing uh, Pacific Rim, and his his Space Jam deck was like this work. It was a masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> he mostly picked based off of like art. I, I I'm trying really hard to Google as quickly as I can to find the deck list, but everything he pulled was like vaguely related to Space Jam. But as soon as you heard the description, it's like, oh my god! Like, of course! Like, what what else could it possibly be? That's uh, really funny. I am that, trying so hard to Google at the speed of light. Because you're, you're taking something that is so outside the world of magic and throwing it in. And it's like Space Jam. But of right. course. Exactly. But as long as you can defend it, then, you know, that's what counts. And it kind of depends on your play group, too. Like, if you're going at it to try and win, then that's one thing. But if you're trying to go to prove that, hey, I can find a magic card that totally reminds me of Charles Barkley, then you can totally do that, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I want to see that deck. 
Yeah, I'm trying so hard. <laughs> Let's see if we can find. So that. yeah, so well for this deck, I would say Drowning Our Explorers looks like a possibility. Gone missing. Ooh, gone missing. Gone you know? missing yeah. actually feels really good because the planeswalkers keep going missing, and you investigate the going of the that's missing. Good. Yeah, that's true. That's actually great. Not to mention, in terms of the hat flavor, that is the number one hat card I think in all of Shadows of Rinnistrad. <laughs> that is the number one hat. Card. It really <laughs> Look, it's is. just it is it's just, just a hat. hat. <laughs> well, it's, it's also a, some water. It's yeah, a hat it's true. In a swimming pool. Um, actually, if you guys watched the uh, the Community Super League, uh, this this week they had an Innistrad, uh, essentially Innistrad block deck building, and uh, the Loading Ready Run guys in the flavor style did uh, Singleton Hats. The, that was one of their ways that they would draft original Innistrad, I think, was like just choose when they would draft the card based on the best hat. Yeah. Or it had had to have a hat in it. And if even if it was the best card in the pack, they wouldn't take it unless it had a hat. Had a hat. So that's also another hilarious and awesome way to build a deck flavorfully. That's wonderful. Just bunches of hats. Um, you could do stuff like only lightning in the art or whatever. It has to have something with electricity in it. Anyway, we will uh, we'll we'll get that deck list if we can and put it in the uh, the show 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 notes if we can because that the space yes. jam yeah. sounds hilarious. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, this that, is of essential importance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that is, in essence, a very quick breakdown of how I might approach building a Niv Mizzet deck. Obviously, like you just said, Allison, this is 100% up to your own interpretation. So I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say on Twitter and all that. But let's move on to the second character that we're going to talk of here. And Josh, you decide on this one. Uh, Yeah, so Tasa Karlov, who Allison says is her unmitigated favorite. Oh, yeah. So do you want to talk about what it is about Tasa that you love so much. And Tasa actually, sure thing. Is, this is one of the stories you actually wrote was, um, it was for the, that it was for the, um, magic 2015, 2015. Dang it. Uh, yeah, it was again. for the, uh, commander. It was, uh, commander 2015. Uh, sorry. Right. Right. It was for the, uh, for uncle Carl, as we call him. Yeah. Big daddy <laughs> uncle. Um, oh, he said, what a, what a, what a, what a crappy ghost. Carl uh, of the yeah. Ghost Carl of the ghost council. Right. So do you want to talk about the story a little bit? Sure thing. Uh, so yeah, what drew, what drew me to her as a character uh, is that Tessa's a lawyer, first and foremost. Uh, she's Ravnica's version of a lawyer called an advocist. Uh, and she's from the uh, Orzhov Guild, so she's black-white. Uh, all about spirits and ghosts because ghosts are basically in charge of her guild. Uh, and her magic kind of varies in the story. Uh, in the beginning, it's mostly for like truth circles. She uses for work uh, while she's in court and doing stuff like that. Later, she can do some kind of like ghostly magic stuff. But in the story I wrote, she mostly just uses her brain. Uh, the Obzidat is the name of the ghost council that's kind of in charge of everything. They suck. Uh, the Obzidat <laughs> basically are like church meets a bank. So they kind of take like the worst parts of both of those and just kind of run with that as their like go to for everything. Hmm. Um, and Tessa's not really a fan of that because although she is white black, she really likes the the law the way that it is and isn't really comfortable that the people in charge of her guild are so loosey goosey with laws and just kind of breaking them like all the time. Uh, so in the story that I wrote, uh, she goes out of her way to try and expose them for financial corruption and unfortunately is caught in the process. Case is like uh, fighting a real world fight right here. She's like take down Wall Street kind of. Uh, she's like these ghosts. I've had enough of these ghosts. Yeah, she's a whistleblower for sure. I love that. Okay, yeah. So, Allison, do you want to talk about specifically the story that you wrote um, with Tajik and Uncle Carl? <laughs> sure thing. Uh, so, at the last time that we saw uh, Tessa, she had approached Tajik to say, "Hey." I want to take down the ghost council. And in the story I wrote, uh, you find out exactly how they do that. So uh, Tajik has dug a tunnel from one of the Boros outposts towards uh, the main building that the uh, Obzidat used to meet. Um, the idea being that they can tunnel their way into the record room, get a hold of some of the financial records, take them to the Azorius and be like, hey, look, proof that my guild sucks. Uh, so they could ideally deal with the ghosts in a way that is legal and in a way that they can actually make change. Mm. So uh, Tessa and Tajik get down to the tunnel and they're walking through and they break into the, the record room. They find what they need. And at the last second, uh, Tessa's crappy, crappy grandpa, uh, uh, Karlov, um, shows up and is basically thwarts her entire plan, tosses Tajik into jail and uh, is just kind of a turd. He's just sort of <laughs> a verbally abusive turd, like just not a cool guy. 
I imagine that he was crappy in life, but like when you've been dead for a while, uh, you, you, you gotta get worse. So yeah, yeah right. that's a, the last thing that we see of Tessa is her sadly walking up to, uh, the top room of, uh, of the, uh, of the, uh, I think is the name of the, uh, the place. Um, yeah, basically she's in exile now. Oh, she's no. basically going to the principal's office. Like she's in big trouble. Dang. Um, one of the things I really ass. like about the story too is the way that Tasa sort of goes about trying to accomplish this goal of bringing. She sort of tricks Jace into creating these little laws so that she can like find loopholes in the laws to use the yeah. law. So she's very like manipulative in the way that she goes about like doing this. Like she basically wants to create a bunch of like laws that create all these weird loopholes that she can use to like game the system and get back at the Obsidian, right? Right. So uh, in the moment, like way back when, when Jace uh, basically wins the maze and, oh, hey, your prize is that you're in charge of this entire city. Uh, (laughs) They start to define what the magic of the Guild Pact is. And uh, what it is, is that what the Guild Pact says is basically law. And so she figures that out and decides to manipulate that because she's a lawyer. That's what lawyers do uh, (laughs) into working for her. So she realizes that if she gets him to uh, affirm several things that are actually laws, when she tries to break them, the law is enforced. Um, And so she uses that to uh, cross magical boundaries, to stop uh, magical security measures and break into a place that she wouldn't be able to otherwise. Yeah. So it shows like sort of the way that Tessa goes about accomplishing things. It's not like get an army of people together and storm the castle, right? Mm -hmm. It's, Create oh yeah, a bunch no, of, she's white black. She's that's not her. Style. Yeah, that's not yeah. what she's going to do at all. Which I thought was really interesting. So, um, so when I started thinking about how I would like to build a deck around this character and this storyline, you know, to me, Orzhov as a guild has always sort of felt like the mafia. Oh yeah, like you know they've got the organization of and the order of white, but they've also got this sort of underhandedness and the willing to do anything to accomplish their goals of Mm -hmm. black and so that just Mm -hmm. yeah that just feels like the mob to me it's like this strange code of honor but at the same time and and you know the mafia's places a lot of importance on like blood and family but then also like oh yes they have to kill their blood and family a lot (laughs) it seems like if you watch like the godfather or goodfellas or the sopranos they're always talking about family and they're always turning around and killing you know their family members because they didn't do what you know they ratted them out to the police or whatever yeah um so taste to me was like a super interesting character because she reminds me of like the sleazy lawyers that have to protect the mob bosses you know right yeah and you know those characters are always conflicted because nobody gets into law to like protect the criminals everybody gets into law to like go for truth truth and justice yeah totally you know and and so you can see how that like that weighs on her and she has to like you know and finally she's had enough and she's gonna try and actually do what's right and then it goes horribly wrong and she's gonna be like brought to heel basically by the end of this story Mm -hmm. so to me like the arc of that story is really interesting and also thinking about you know i thought one of the fun things was like thinking about well moving forward what happens to tessa right you know from here and to me she probably gets brought to heel by the ghost guys who uncle carl and everybody who basically sort of outsmarted her and she has to go back to that life of like protecting the people that she doesn't really like that are doing the unscrupulous things so um mm-hmm. there's two tasas i don't know i went with um tasa orzov scion so i like this version more than than the other one but it's great because they both are super controlly in in the tasa way Right. Yeah, they're very, both fun in very different ways. Yeah, very political, both both of them. Yeah, so Tesa Orza of Scion is uh, one, a white and a black legendary creature, two, three. It says, sacrifice three white creatures, remove target creature from the game, and then when other, whenever... Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> exile target creature, not remove <laughs> from the game. We don't do that anymore. Uh, and then whenever another black creature you control dies, put a 1-1 one, one white spirit t- creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So... You really want your stone stuff to die, basically, with her. Yeah. Uh, which is really interesting. Um, story-wise, I don't know why I chose this one. Probably just because it costs three mana. <laughs> and the other one costs seven. <laughs> and it's like, if you're going to do a story, you want to have your main character. like You don't want to be like the Godzilla movie or King Kong, where like right. I don't get to yeah, see yeah. those things for like an hour and a half into the movie. That sucks. Which is very I frustrating. Thing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, 
And then the first card I, I really thought to add was Felden's cane. Mm-hmm. Because Tasa has a limp and she needs a cane to walk. Correct, yeah. Uh, one of the main uh, uh, things about uh, the Orzhov Guild is that they have artificially prolonged their life through magic. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that means a lot of birth defects. Uh, <laughs> like a lot of birth defects. And uh, Tay says is that uh, she has a leg that's slightly weaker than the other one, so she uses a cane to get around. Uh, it's a gorgeous cane. Uh, you can kind of see the art in uh, Tesa Envoy of Ghosts. Yeah. It's also why she needs Tajik to tunnel for her because he's, you know, just 100% indestructible. Well, and the funny thing right. is that when she, she meets up with Tajik, she needs something to support herself and she doesn't have her cane with her. So he lends her a sword. And so oh, yeah. I also think the sword of war and peace should be in oh. there because that's the sword that's red, white. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Yes. Very flavorful. I like that a lot. Oh, good job. Not nice. light and shadow, notably. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I said not light and shadow. Because you would think, oh, light and shadow, that's the black white one. But no, it, right. she got it from Tajik. It has to be the oh, red white one. she's borrowing his sword. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. Nice. <laughs> so those are her two like walking assistants. Those, those are her two <laughs> walkers because she's, she's not a young lady. Um, You know, one of the other cards I thought about early on was Underworld Connections. Mm-hmm. which is just a very Orzhov thing. And it seems to be, you know, for there's a couple of reasons. One is they actually physically go underground. Yep. Right, right. To sort of break into the Obzidot area. And also, it's just like when you're a corrupt lawyer or whatever, you're always dealing with like the sleazy underbelly and sure. you need your underworld connections. And and that's a uh, two black and, or sorry, uh, black, black and one for enchant land and enchanted land has tap it pay one life draw a card nice so if you have four man you can actually play this on a land and use it that same turn yep mm-hmm. um card draw always good always good and it also was Amen. in ravnica uh, return to ravnica as well so it definitely has it has the flavor from the same plane there's a great quote from tesa on uh, one of the flavor texts for the card immortal servitude her quote is the fine Ooh. print of countless contracts has ensured we are never defenseless, which is such a great like <laughs> oh, little so look good. into the mind of Tesa, right? And I was like, oh, we need we need to think about all this paperwork that she would create to protect them. Um, so it's si- so cool too because like she doesn't defend herself with her fists or with her magic. She right. uses her brain and her knowledge. Like that's that's so much more terrifying and cool because that's a very real uh, a real superpower in real life. Yeah, absolutely. These people certainly exist in real life, and they have this power. Uh, so sign in blood yes. was yep. sort of the the marquee card for me that sort of met that um, the criteria of that uh, flavor text. Yeah, which is black, black for mm-hmm. a sorcery. Uh, draw two cards, you lose two life. Or target player draws two cards and loses two life. Cause right, sometimes some... you can use it to kill people. Yeah. <laughs> Once in a while. <laughs> Once in a while. And it feels so good when you do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a really good one. Um, I also thought like Briber's Purse, mm-hmm. which I won't even read it because it doesn't matter. It's just the idea that she's going to be able to go around and bribe the right people to mm-hmm. create this you know, network of paperwork and spies and all these things she needs that aren't like direct confrontation like you were saying, Allison. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I really liked was Devout Witness. Devout Witness is actually a decent card. And to to your point earlier, Jimmy, like that's the thing you're really trying to do, right? Is like fit your flavor, but also make your deck playable. Yeah, totally. So Devout Witness is two and a white for a creature human spell shaper, two, two. You pay one and a white, tap the Devout Witness and discard a card and destroy target artifact or enchantment. So a useful ability. Yeah, totally. But also, if you're in the court of law, so often in these cases where like some mob boss is on the stand or whatever, like you got to get rid of the witnesses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Tasa, if you'll recall, can sacrifice three white creatures to exile a creature. So every once in a while, <laughs> you got to kill off the witnesses. You, you got to kill gotta off the witnesses. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So that is a flavor win right That's there. Fantastic. Holy nice. moly. So that was my favorite one, I think, that I came up with was yeah, the totally. devout witness. A little bit I'm proud of that one. I love that. That is, that is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. And then the card skull clamp I have written down, and it might be like skull clamp. Okay, yeah, that's a good card, but why would you have it in there? Because I can't help thinking of that scene in Goodfellas where he puts that one guy's head in a vice. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. Joe Pesci's oh, yeah. putting his the guy's head in a vice and he's trying to he's like, Who who told you? Who told you? And he's trying to get the information out of him. And yeah. he's 
and he's clamping his head so that he can get the information. And I was like, Skull Clamp's got to be in there just for Joe Pesci. Oh, this mob theme is so good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just so happens that Taste also puts out one ones. But, you know, that's aside the point. We're, yeah. we're talking Joe Pesci here, not Joe. It's drawing. only in there for Vorthos flavor <laughs> stuff, man. It's not because it's one of the greatest cards ever created. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> um, and then there's a great, you know, Taste is so smart that she has control of a dragon at some point in the story. Is that right, Allison? It's correct, yeah. Uh, in the novels, um, she manages to like bend one of the dragons of Ranuka to her will to uh, take care of this uh, plot of land that she's been basically put in charge of. Uh, Pretty cool. So, yeah. so my question was, like, which dragon is sort of the most lawyery mm-hmm. or the <laughs> most, like... And, and to me, it was Yosei the Morning Star. So Yosei uh-huh. is from uh, Kamigawa, I think. It's four and two white for a 5-5 five, five flyer dragon spirit. When Yosei the Morning Star dies, target player skips his or her next untap step. Tap up to five target permanents that player controls. That, that seems very, like a lot of paperwork. Very controlling. That's such a pain. Yeah, that's yeah. obviously a, a lawyer dragon. Yeah, yeah that seems like <laughs> they just buried you under like a lot of legal mumbo jumbo. Yeah, and all the cards are like, <laughs> I'm tapped. I Just give me a little bit of time to clear out the paperwork. I'll be right back. Give me a turn I got to be in court tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, let's talk about your uh, recommendations, Allison. You've got some uh, cool ones here. Sure. Uh, so this story was written uh, for Karloff of the Ghost Council, who was introduced in Commander 2015. Uh, and when uh, I was assigned to write one of the stories for this set, they allowed me to pick which commander I wanted to do. And uh, I remember asking uh, regarding Karloff, can I make it about... His, his granddaughter, Tessa. <laughs> and luckily they said yes. Uh, but I wrote the story with the uh, mechanics of this card in mind uh, because uh, his ability is uh, white, black, remove six plus one, plus one counters from Karlov with the Ghost Cancel and you exile target creature. Um, so yep. the end is him basically doing that to her. Uh, she isn't necessarily dead, but she's definitely uh, being exiled from the life that she used to live and from her title as a lawyer She's basically trapped in the zone that she cannot get out of whether she likes it or not. Um, mm-hmm. So that felt like a really natural fit for uh, either of the tasas uh, that we have. Um, totally. I also yeah. have uh, Path to Exile because, duh, that's more exiling. And also it's just a good card to have in things. you got to have it. Yeah, it's a white you, deck. So you, you got to. Yeah. I like that you made a flavor reason to have it. Exactly. Yeah. Any any chance I can have a flavor reason for something that makes sense, uh, <laughs> I, I will totally go for that. Um <laughs> Shielded by Faith is uh, another card I have. It's uh, one white-white, an enchantment. Uh, Enchanted creature is indestructible, and when it enters the battlefield, you can attach Shielded by Faith to that creature. Uh, The Obsidot is basically like religious bank, uh, and so they use the guise of religion in order to do all of these really awful things and control people's lives. Oh, very nice. Uh, So I thought that that was a really nice representation of the control that the Obsidot has, as well as, again, just being a really good card. You just stick in things because it's cheap, and why not? Yeah, also notably, you can attach it to an opponent's creature. You can exactly. you can, you can wheel and deal your way into uh, some yeah. alliances with, with yeah, this guy. Yeah, you can win some friends with this. Yeah, even if it's not the even if you're only using the faith as like you're like, uh, yeah, well, you, yeah, of course, faith. Yeah, absolutely. You're using like the that. Machiavellian version of faith. Yeah, there you go. Right. Uh, I like this last one actually. This I had on my list too. Oh, great! Yay, great minds. Uh, yeah, merciless eviction. Um, it's just really, 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 really solid removal. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's as yeah, good as it gets. It's basically as good as it gets. Uh, so where you just made some really good friends, hopefully, with Shielded by Faith, now you get to just make everyone really mad at you. Uh, <laughs> so you can choose to either exile all artifacts, exile all creatures, exile all enchantments, or exile all planeswalkers. Um, wow. So if you got something that's giving you trouble, just you know pay the right amount of money, and we can get rid of whatever you need to. <laughs> the flavor See? text on this is great, too. I once saw it the is. Obsidant move to action. Since that day, I've been thankful that they're mainly lazy and dead. <laughs> also, I think we should retcon uh, Karlov. Uh, he's no longer an uncle. I guess he really is Grandpa Karl now. Grandpa Karl. Grandpa Carl. He is Gramps. Well, he's yeah, somebody's he's uncle. Just, he's somebody's uncle, for he's sure. He is not, someone's uncle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, I think he would technically be uncle's uncle uh uncle the character from uh from the uh ravnica novels he's uncle's uncle i i think <laughs> i think that's who he would be yeah so he's uncle's uncle he's double, or, double no, no, uncle no. carl no no he would be uncle's dad he's uncle's dad uh, uncle's dad uncle's dad uncle, good old uncle's dad <laughs> what a guy 
I love that. That was great. Um, big points to you, Josh, for doing the whole mafia thing. It definitely yeah, is the, forget about it. Forget about it. Eh? It's like the <laughs> it's the the real world equivalent, you know, of the of the flavor and the text and stuff. So I big fan of that. Um, mm-hmm. Now you submitted two other stories that I really liked the tales of. Um, let's just briefly go over them because our to the listener segment is going to deal with this next bit. So first sure up, thing. we have Daxos of Miletus and Daxos the Returned. And oh, of course, Daxo. oh Daxos, our oh, our Romeo, Daxo. perhaps our um. He really is. He's Magic's most tragic lover. Who's the guy that that went down to Hades to retrieve his lady, and then on the way back couldn't look back at her? Reminds uh, me of him Orpheus. too. Yes, reminds me of that yeah. of him as well. Um, and yeah, then, he's uh, he's Magic's version of that, more or less. Uh, except instead of a poet, he's a warrior. Um, he's the. Uh, He's the guy who meets up with Elspeth when she first arrives on Theros, and uh, they wheel and deal and fight some bad guys and beat up some hydras, and they deal with a bunch of, you know, all sorts of bad dudes, and uh, eventually they fall in love with each other. Oh, but yeah, that love is not for long, unfortunately. Oh, it, does, it, it just not, doesn't end well. No. It never ends no. well, does it? Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, <lovers>. so, <laughs> yeah, they, they become romantically involved, but Xenagos, being the, the crappy jerk satyr that he is... Uh, <laughs> He and this is actually kind of really messed up. He kind of takes over uh, Elspeth's mind for a little bit while she's asleep, which, given her history of uh, just really like severe abuse, is super messed up. Yeah, and forces her to live out one of her nightmares, where she uh, fights uh, one of the uh, I think the Phyrexian Obliterator. Yeah, the Phyrexian Phyrexian Obliterator. And so she's living out this dream of like fighting and killing this horrible monster. And she comes to and realizes that she just violently murdered her lover. Oh, gosh. It's really messed up. And so she feels terrible about it. And it's is very, very much torn up uh, through the rest of the Theros storyline uh, that this awful guy who thinks he's a god um, really, 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 really did something messed up to her and mm-hmm. forced her to do this unspeakable action against her lover. But the story does not end there because uh, Elspeth, unfortunately, dies uh, and after she dies, uh, Daxos becomes one of the returns. So he's basically a zombie that was granted like, uh, Hey, good job being really cool in life. We're going to grant you a <laughs> sort of life again, uh, from, uh, one of the gods. You and get a so, new color and a cool mask. Exactly. He struck a deal with Erebos and now he's wandering, uh, wandering the surface, trying to find his lover, not realizing that Elspeth is where he would just was Aww. in the land of the dead. So... We can only hope that Elspeth might make a return someday. She is a planeswalker, Man. after all. I hope so. She she deserves a, a happier ending, but yes. sadly, she's she's quite dead. Absolutely. And so is he. So, you know, there's that, at least. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you know, no good story without a cliffhanger. So they obviously it's have places, places to go and, and people to meet. Um, and the other story that you submitted, uh, one of my all-time favorite creatures. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Phil, from... You're not gonna, yeah, sorry, Phil. You're not going to like this. No, it I is... think it's Phil's favorite creature of all time. Oh, yeah, Elish she told me that. Yeah. Elish Norn, Grand Cenobite. Who doesn't um, love her? She's super cool. Yeah. She now, has the coolest headpiece in the multiverse. Oh, yeah. Also, she's like 20 feet tall, which is really cool. I'm not 20 feet tall, so <laughs> it's hard not really? to love that. It's hard to tell on Skype. You, you look like you might be about 19 feet tall. I getting am, there. yeah. It's uh, getting to work is actually kind of a thing I don't like to talk about. Because <laughs> I don't play it in my cubicle, so thanks for bringing that up in front of me. No um, I didn't actually know Elish Norn. <laughs> of course, Elish Norn does have a story, but when I first yeah. saw this card, it was just the pure power level is what drew me to it. But oh, what what is the what is the story here? The uh, story is that Elish is uh, one of the leaders of, uh, of the Phyrexians, uh, who are kind of kind of like the Borg, except uh, with just like metal, and they kind of run off of this really bizarre religion sort of thing of believing that everything just needs to be, uh, uh, yeah, everything perfected. Just really exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, in this case, minus two, minus two. And uh, this also ties in really well with uh, Elspeth's storyline because uh, she uh, was one of the uh, residents of a plane that was attacked uh, by the Phyrexians. And uh, she spent most of her formative years as a slave, uh, which really, really sucks working under these guys. Yeah, um, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of why I chose this other story. It is uh, Elspeth writing a letter to a Johnny that she'll never send. She has just landed on Theros after escaping these awful creatures. And she's just kind of talking about the brutalities that she witnessed uh, at the hands of these awful things. 
and so, yeah, Alesh is mentioned really briefly. Uh, a couple of other things that are mentioned are uh, Malira and Koth, Venzer, Tezzeret, uh, a bunch of uh, really, really like classic magic characters and really iconic places. And it's all squished into this one story that didn't happen too long ago in the timeline. Hmm. I like it. It's, oh God, Elspeth is just the saddest. Poor she Elspeth. Really she gets Elspeth has been through so much stuff deal. and is such a warrior. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I always have a particular sort of affection for cards that are super powerful and, of course, super badass. And Elspeth, every single iteration of Elspeth has been like, oh, yeah, thumbs up. You kick yeah, butt. she's super boss. <laughs> Um, so let's move on to the listeners. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed sort of the flavorful Vorthosi aspect of this episode. And that's why we are reaching out to you now. Um, if you guys have any suggestions for flavorful cards that we may have missed for either Niv-Mizzet, Tesa, or Daxos slash El- uh, Norn slash Elspeth, let us know. You can tweet at us at CommandCast. You can send us an email, CommandCast at RocketJump.com, or you can post in the comments on YouTube or at RocketJump. Yeah, I'd really like to hear like what, how you would start to like have a take, especially on Daxos and Elish Norn, who we didn't really have time to go into. But it's interesting to see how different people like. I mean, as many as as many as stars in the sky, there are that many ways to sort of mm-hmm. take these mm-hmm. things and put your own mark on it. That's sort of what's cool about tackling a deck and deck building in this manner. Yeah, you can go the Space Jam route. You know, you don't necessarily yeah. have to tie it 100% to the story. You could find the nugget in there that inspires you to take this deck in a different direction. Which is What a exactly. cool idea about, like, actually just looking at the art and having the yeah. deck be based on the actual pictures. Like, that's just another way to think about building uh, a Vorthosi deck, which is really, really interesting, really cool. All right, you want to go to the end step? Let's move on to the end step. So we're moving on to the end step where we're talking about something cool outside of the world of Magic. Allison being our esteemed guest, do you have anything super sweet? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to be really selfish uh, and Please plug something do. I've been working on outside of work. Uh, so I mentioned earlier that I helped to uh, co-found a theater company here in Seattle a few years ago. And uh, we do lots of stuff other, other than theater. And uh, one of them is a serial podcast called Mermaid in Manhattan. Uh, it takes place in post-apocalyptic <laughs> wait, wait. New York. Mermaid in Manhattan. That is yeah, mermaid brilliant. In Manhattan. I love that. <laughs> I love you. good puns. <laughs> I'm in just yeah. from the name. <laughs> uh, the, the plot is that uh, it takes place in post-apocalyptic New York. Uh, so New York City has basically sunk and uh, is now overrun with gang wars between mermaids and reverse mermaids, which are exactly what you think they would probably be. That's fish head and human feet. And really cool, really nice legs. Yes. <laughs> you start from the legs up, you're like, oh, oh, yes. And then you get to, you're like, oh, no. Oh, oh gosh. Uh, the reverse mermaids are one of my favorites. Uh, they all talk like greasers and ride around on jet skis. Uh, they're, they're pretty rad. So um, this is like yeah, a so, radio drama? Uh, yeah, it's a radio drama. Um, there are, I think, like seven or eight episodes right now uh, of a 10-episode series. It's all on iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, and it's a blast, and I highly recommend you listen to it. That sounds awesome. Now, what yeah, exactly do you do awesome. on the show? Uh, I play the part of Madison, one of three uh, human characters on the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she has a, a really awesome sword fist blade sort of thing. Uh, doesn't take no crap from no one. And, uh, yeah, run, runs around uh, trying to rescue uh, one of her husbands uh, who has been kidnapped by the Froglodytes. The Froglodytes. That's a great name. <laughs> Man, it sounds awesome. I can't wait to check yeah, it out. It sounds super awesome. Um, so we'll, yeah. of course, put all the links in the show notes below for you guys to check that out. Allison, where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Uh, you can find me at Allison the Person on Twitter. And that's one L, so you guys know. One L, and all squished in together, one long word. <laughs> Allison, I am so happy that we finally got to do a Vorthosi episode with one of Magic Writer's uh, themselves and that that to me is an honor so thank you very much for coming on to the show thank you so much for inviting me you guys are super awesome i'm really happy this worked out yeah super awesome we'll have to do another story episode at some point and bring you back on because there are so many stories to tell done yeah and exactly there. done and done you know maybe There's we'll so have to many stories maybe we'll do it a block thing so many space jam decks so many space jam decks waiting to be built <laughs> um, <laughs> i really want to see what some of the cards were in that because i want to know what card looks the most like charles barkley like yeah exactly what reminds well, you well i can i can give you a i can give you a taste 
uh, if you like. I was so while we've been chatting, I, I jumped onto Ye Old Google and I found one listing. Um, and Ooh, nice. one of the I'll, I'll just tell you like the dialogue of how this worked out. <laughs> um, so the card that uh, community manager Nate was most proud of for being in the Space Jam deck was Bloodshot Cyclops. Uh, not because of who it looks like, but because of the name. Uh, Bloodshot Cyclops used to be called Chuck back in the day, so he's Charles Barkley. Oh, <laughs> would you look at that? There you go. That is Chuck. great. And it has the word shot in it. Yeah. Exactly. That Come is on fantastic. and slam. <laughs> Come on and slam. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you have to send us that link so we can throw it into the show notes below. Um, Done. If you're watching the video on YouTube right now, you're seeing Bloodshot Cyclops. So, yeah, exactly. You know, why aren't you watching the video? Yeah. <laughs> Probably because you're driving. Don't watch videos and drive. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> I really hope no one does, actually. Every time I say that, I'm like, oh, gosh, I hope no one does like put on our podcast when they're on the road, unless it's audio only. Of yeah, course. Audio only. We we, we mm-hmm. promote self, you know, life choices or safe life choices. Safe also life choices, self yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah. Don't do a niv-mizzet experiment and try to do something wacky in your car. Keep it keep it to the brewing, guys. Speaking um, of brewing. Oh, yeah. Speaking <laughs> of brewing, make sure to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern uh alex kessler and ben bateman they're brewing up a lot of decks because of gpla and they've been really hitting it hard with like how you prep for a tournament Mm -hmm. and what the metagame might look like uh a lot of cool things happening in modern you can check them out uh follow them on twitter at the mm cast or you can find their podcast right next to us at rocketjump.com slash podcasts our editor for the show is the one and only terry robertson who's been killing it if you guys haven't seen the video versions of these podcasts you are seriously missing out it's a great uh, alternative way to consume the content and also see all the cards at the same time so that if we just say some names and don't read off the card text you'll actually be able to sit there and see them animated on the screen you can find that stuff at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast and of course big special thanks to jeffrey palmer at living cards mtg on twitter who does all of the animation for these shows so our cool intro and the little segments jeffrey's been making his way around by the way he is doing stuff everywhere and it's oh awesome. yeah to learn community college channel fireball the he's community part of the super CSL. league yeah, oh, yeah all kinds of stuff so jeffrey good work keep it up we love your stuff we also love allison allison thank you so much for coming on you're the best thank you so much for inviting me we will be sure to get you back on soon make sure you guys listeners send us your stuff i want to see what you guys have come up with i'm really excited because these characters are incredibly diverse so are you our listeners so let's see what you come up with. I, I think this may lead to me b- actually building my first actual real Vorthos deck. Oh, really? Yeah, because yes, I was good. I had yes, a lot of fun Jones. doing it. And I was like, this is fun. I should do this for real. Like, I should actually build the entire deck. So, yeah, that's so, good. So, you got me. <laughs> you totally got me. I'm hooked. Yes. We did it. We didn't actually Victory. record the episode, Josh. This was all to get you to build a Vorthos deck. Got punked. Yeah, you got punked. Joke's on you. I'm still going to kick your butt with it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you. We reversed it. That I happens said sometimes. Peace. It happens yes, sometimes. Yes, I did it. I am Josh Lee Kwai. How's it? I am Josh Lee Kwai. Uh, later, guys. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.